This week's episode is sponsored by the good people at Guayaki. Thank you guys for the assist on this yerba mate that's helping power today's show, giving us some life. Lord knows we've worked our asses off to deserve a nice corporate sponsor. You know, flex button, please. Now sit back, grab a can of that yerba, and enjoy. No Chance Radio Show, episode 107. We back. And to listeners, new and old, you know what it is, man. This is the NPR of Streetway, your dummy's guide to all things fashion culture. And to be honest, really everything and anything else we want to talk about. I am your host, Ryan. Now, I want to make something clear before, you know, we embark on this entire episode. We like to dedicate today's episode to you, man, the listener, all across the globe, all over the world. Um, we applaud the effort it takes to committing to really a whole hour episode of us rambling. I know we can be a lot, but without you, we wouldn't have gotten to this point today, you know? But I think we've gotten our act together over the past two years, wouldn't you say, Nate? Yeah, I would say two plus years now. Yeah, and what a crazy journey it's been thus far. And what about you, P? You good over there? I feel good. Do you? I feel great. <laughs> she's like three episodes deep right now. Yeah, she's right. Like, she's just exhausted. Like, <laughs> yeah. man, I don't know how to do it with these guys, man. Get the creative They're so demanding. That's probably what they're <laughs> so demanding. Oh, man. But we got a great episode for you guys today. The amazing Benny Gold is in, in the studio with us. Uh, we're going to get to that conversation in a bit. But one thing I want to talk about between uh the three of us is man like the fact that i even get to say that <laughs> how does that make you guys Amazing. feel personally i know that that's tight it's really tight. i was uh everything that's just been happening <laughs> yeah i was uh i was telling everybody earlier that i was having a like an eight mile bathroom like <laughs> moment bro it happens that's, yeah it happens a lot and i think that's a good sign man that, that means we're on the right track w- w- with what we're doing nerves can be a bitch sometimes <laughs> yeah. and it's definitely a part of the situation now but screw it man you guys know why you're listening to this episode you're here to listen to us talk to benny Golden, man we're gonna get that we're gonna get right into that right now benny hey thanks for having me i really appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, i'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> flattered you know? welcome to the show man <laughs> It's amazing for us to even to even be able to say that, and it I'm, it must have been weird for for us to talk in, to you in third person. <laughs> He's like, like waiting to say hi. Like double dutch. Like when's when do I come? Yeah. No. no, I talk about myself in third person all the time. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry. No, nah, man, uh, you just got back from vacation, yeah? Yeah, I went down to Miami to visit family. My father turned seventy. Congrats, man! Yeah. What a blessing to be al- uh, alive for that Seriously. long. Man. Yeah. Life is a blessing. Mm-hmm. Shit, it's cool because my grandma's still alive too, and she's ninety-one. Oh, oh my wow. goodness! Yeah, so it's awesome to bring my kids to get they get to meet their great grandma. Yeah, yeah. that's sweet. No, it's a beautiful thing. It's amazing, man. Uh, quick, quick question about that, man. Like, is it is it kind of funny that it's like you're coming home to San Francisco rather than going <laughs> home to Florida? Yeah. You know what I mean? I want to talk about that real quick. Talk about some of the early years because, I mean, that's where you're from, right? Key West specifically. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Key West, Florida, but I lived in San Francisco longer than I lived anywhere else in my life. Yeah? Yeah, mm-hmm. I've been out here since 98. How old were you when you uh, moved moved from Key West? Oh, I, I pieced out of Key West when I was like eight, eight, <laughs> 18, as soon as I could. Like, I was like, wow. <laughs> I don't want to go back. But, I mean, no. family's back there. Uh, you got a family up here. Yeah. Um, man, could we talk early years real quick? Yeah, you yeah. Wanna, you, you, know, you guys want to dive into that? Yeah, yeah growing up in it. Key West was great. I mean, it's, you know, very tropical and very Florida, and it's the exact opposite of everything I was into. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I was into, you know, streetwear and clothing and skateboarding and punk rock and graffiti, and none of that was on my island. 
Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know? None of that existed in Key West when you were growing up. No. That's no crazy. Anything like that? No, zero. I mean, there was a little bit like in the 80s and by the time we got to high school those kids were gone you know wow. they're like mm. either junkies or yeah. too far into metal to care yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that as a kid growing up you know like did, did it ever cross your mind to be like i want to start my own thing you know there's nothing that that interest or that 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 i can attach myself to out here there's no scene that i want to be a part of did you ever think about like Let's just get my group of friends together and just do it out here. Yeah, I mean that's why I left. As soon as I I left, I moved away to you know Miami and then college and then San Francisco. I've always wanted to be here because I always wanted to be part of something. Yeah, mm. and I knew there was more out there than where I was from. Mm-hmm. Like I see, I watch the skate videos, I listen to hip hop and all that stuff, and and it was just wasn't where I was from. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. how do I get closer to this this scene? You think that's important nowadays? There's so much media out there that shows that L.A., New York, Paris, Europe. It's the place to be, mm-hmm. you know, and us being from San Francisco, us yeah. being in San Francisco, it's like we think about that all the time, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, like what was your perspective on that, especially moving out? Like San Francisco was the place at that time, you know, San Francisco definitely was a place. I mean, the music scene was cracking, you know, you had Barry McGee with Twist and all that stuff with mm-hmm. graffiti was cracking, you know, birth of street skateboarding was here, EMB yep. was, was amazing. So I just want to be part of it. Now I don't think it's as important to like move away from your town because mm-hmm. the world is so much smaller with yeah. social media and mm-hmm. internet and all that. So you could find like-minded people no mm-hmm. matter where the fuck you're at. Mm-hmm. Where before you had to go find them. No, that's... Uh, that's that, totally true. That, dude, that's so true. Yeah. <laughs> Something we debate about all the time, you know, like especially LA, New York, things of that right. nature. But actually today is the almost the one year anniversary of, of your store closing. You yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, you don't know that. It was it was a hard decision, you know. And looking back a year later, it's still feels like the right decision. Yeah. But I That's miss, good. you know, a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Miss the community aspect. I miss the community, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure what what I fully miss about it. I know I just know I do miss things, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't miss the struggle of it and the fight against you know, the big corporations mm-hmm. and the changing in the retail landscape. And I don't miss paying bills and, <laughs> and, and employee the taxes. Rent too and rent. Yeah, we all yeah. know that in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. Did you always know that you were going to end up in San Francisco? Oh, from day one. Yeah. Like all my friends used to make fun of me growing up because I'd like talk with Bay Area slang because I listened to like hieroglyphics <laughs> oh. and all that stuff, you know. And, and they're like, "What? What? Are, what is hella? What are you, you know? <laughs> what are you saying? You know?" And, so I've always wanted to be out here. Like you could ask anyone I grew up with. Like I, I wasn't smart enough to figure out that there was art colleges out here yet. Mm. So I just I went to art school in Georgia first, and then made mm. my way out. No, wow! No, that's interesting. Yeah. I think I think for the most part, you know, in moving out to San Francisco, where you where you sort of ended up is like your your, your jersey's in the rafters now. Mm. Is how we how we want to consider <laughs> okay. it, man. I I I think of you as like the Mount Rushmore of like the people that are important within this the street war industry not just san francisco i mean you could ask anybody on the street and they'd be like of course i appreciate i appreciate that but i mean a- across the board it, like, when you moved to san francisco who are you looking after like who do you want who did you want to be like when you when you moved out to san francisco you came out here for graphic <laughs> yeah. design, so it's like who do i want to be like who, who do yeah. you aspire to be it, it was different back then because streetwear was not what it is like today yeah. like, streetwear was for not sure. big streetwear was super tiny and small and very like just starting out and basically streetwear was skateboarding back then yeah. mm-hmm. yep. so i wanted to be like the skateboard brands i wanted to be like you know all the deluxe bl- 
all the deluxe brands like real skateboards, yeah. you know, in the independent trucks, mm-hmm. Spitfire wheels. Like I wanted to be a part of all that scene. So when I moved out here, I was looking at, at what skateboard brands were, like what Thrasher yeah. Magazine was doing. And Struger was, wasn't really on the radar at all. Like we had a small brand called Pervert out of Miami yep. that, I, that I fucked with heavy. You know, they were friends of mine. I'd go to their shop, support their clothes. I became friends, friends with the owners. You know, and that was my first thing of streetwear, and I didn't even know that it was streetwear yet. Yeah. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. What existed out here at the time, other than the skate, uh, the, the skate brands? Was there anything? Yeah, true. You know? They were out here when you came out really? here? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what year true. That? I don't know what year true. true I know true has been around for a while. Yeah. 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 True is really important. Yeah. You know, 510 was, was out here already. Really? Oh. Yeah, I, I helped. Know that. I, you know, I designed their logo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was. A long time ago. But you know, they're like, you know, there was like key skate shops. Yeah. And True was, you know, gave every, all of us our first start in streetwear. Mm-hmm. FTC, you know, big shout outs to shout FTC because mm-hmm. they were huge. Like their videos growing up on the East Coast, like connected me with San Francisco and all the pros, and it was amazing. So, yeah. th- I mean, I beelined it for, for FTC as soon as I moved here. <laughs> were, were, I mean, were there any like, because um, I, I know that, you know, listening to a lot of stories from people that used to skate e mm-hmm. it always used to be the aesthetic of like the baggy fit to the polo and all the other name brands. Was that was that a part of your steves back in the day? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need those pics, man. I need to see what they look like. <laughs> oh, there's pics of me with like ridiculous baggy pants on. Sure. Like, <laughs> like the shorts are like, they're basically pants, but they're shorts. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> but um, so so like, what shops were were people going to for for that type of stuff? I mean, they're like the typical was Barney's around, like the department stores. Is that where people were? No, we didn't care about we didn't care about any of that stuff. It was all skate shops. Yeah, oh. like we bought all our stuff from skate shops. Okay, and I remember the my first thing. My first pair of jeans that I ever bought that I couldn't skate in were Diesels. Oh my <laughs> goodness! Diesels. And I was like, damn, these are fresh. I'm not going to get it. I spent yeah, 100 we, bucks on them. Yeah. We, we need a pick of that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and Clark's were my first shoe that I, that I couldn't skate in. Yes. Wow. Yeah, so they, they, We called them chillers, you know? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> you had them in the backpack. Yeah, they Wear them to the session. Yeah. Yeah. Switch out of home right oh, when we get there. Oh, we'd go from the session home, and those are like, we're going out tonight. That's yeah. Cool. <laughs> and you know what's funny about all that stuff is, like, you'd go home from skating, Change your clothes into your, your nice jeans, you know, without, without the holes in them, your shoes that you can skate in, take a shower, and girls did not care at all. Like, <laughs> you, thought, you, you thought you were so fly, you know? But the yeah. minute you came out after the skate session, dirty, you know, didn't change your clothes, that's, that's when girls cared. They're that's like, amazing. ooh, he skateboards. Yeah, like, so <laughs> different. I was like, can you speak right. on that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we thought we were all getting, going home and getting fresh and wearing nice shoes and put on good clothes and... Impress some pe- some people and nobody cares. We only care when you guys smell really bad. Yeah. That's yeah, about that's it. Important. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's important. That's important. So let's talk about that then. You know, the, the move from Key West to San Francisco. You're essentially you don't know really much of anybody. You don't know the scene. You're a fan, right? Yeah. You're, you're a fan of the scene. Fan. That's why you go there. What 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 do you think in in that moment really drove you to uh, to want to connect with people? Like, did you feel like a, a sudden urge to be like, I gotta know everybody. I gotta make a footprint for myself here, or was it just kind of like natural that things just kind of like happened it's just natural i think when you genuinely care and love something you just want to immerse yourself in it so i got here and i immersed myself in skateboarding and Mm -hmm. the the culture and you know i was out i was there every day doing as much as i can just being a part of it and and like soaking it all in yeah Mm -hmm. it felt like my grad school (laughs) (laughs) do you have any good emd stories 
you know, I, I got here kind of towards the tail end of EMB, and basically when Pier 7 started cracking yeah. off, mm-hmm. and Pier 7 was so fun. Like, yeah. no matter what we were doing, we always knew that there was friends there, so we'd always meet up there. We'd go skating, hang out, watch tourists pa- pass by. <laughs> uh, messengers would come by with beers in their bags and hook, hook us <laughs> up, you know, and we'd, like, holler at tourist girls and just Let's skate start. all day. It was so <laughs> fun. So who is your, um, I guess, I mean, even from the skaters or, or the people who were designing at the time, any any notable names that, that kind of inspired you in that moment when you moved over here? Yeah, you know, I always loved all the skateboard stuff from early from the 90s with, you know, Craig Stesick to, mm. like, Lance Mountain. And then when I got out here, I was into, you know, all the stuff that Deluxe and everybody was doing. And I was just really into it. Like, Andy Howell was a huge influence mm. of mine. So many, you know? <laughs> Who came out of San Francisco that were, like, around that time that, that you were kind of, like, floating around also? For design? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first moved out here, David Flores was doing a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I mean, him became really good friends. And then he went on to do, like, big murals and amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, and the skate scene, I don't know. I can't, you know, I don't really remember Not that much. Many. But yeah, yeah. It was, it was, at that time, too, a lot of it was moving towards L.A. Yeah. Mm. Like, I got here in the skate scene, like, because E&B was, was, on the tail end of it, Pier 7 was starting to crack off, but most of the industry was moving to, to Los Angeles. Really? Just that fat? Did you did you think about making that move also? Or you just knew that San Francisco was where you're going to end up? No, I just always loved SF. Like, yeah. I don't want to live Aww. anywhere else but San Francisco. What is it about? Yeah, exactly. We want to know yeah. what it is about it. I think it's all the videos I watched as a kid growing up skateboarding <laughs> yeah. and just the hills and the scene. And I love that you could walk everywhere. I love that it has an urban feeling, but it's not big. Yeah. yeah, you know, totally. it still feels mm-hmm. like a community. Mm-hmm. Like it, you don't get lost in a city. You can but conquer it, a it in a day if you, if you're really about it. You mm-hmm. know, you could. I mean, your legs will hurt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, just walking up these stairs. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we know the amazing story. You meet Keith. You create the first Huff logo. Mm-hmm. You become a creator at that point. You know, you start to you know involve yourself with this whole world of, of design. Right. What, what was that like for you, especially? being someone that, you know, went to school for it, was looking for that opportunity, and then next you know, it just pops up, and now you're designing for pretty much all of streetwear at that time. Yeah, you know what's interesting about that? Because you asked me earlier if I always wanted to have my own brand and do it on my own, yeah. and I had no idea that you could even do that stuff. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I thought it was always, as a designer, you're basically working for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a, you're a gun for hire. Yep. And I'm totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. Like, I love creating and solving people's problems creatively other people's problems creatively (laughs) you know and it wasn't until i met keith from huff that i could realize that you could do it on your own Mm. Mm. you know because he was he just moved back to san francisco opened his first store we've met through skateboarding you know and i never knew that you could do it on your own and he was just doing it fully on his own figuring it out and he opened my eyes to being your own boss you think any of the the troubles of of doing something on your own sometimes can deter people away from from wanting to do that you think that's important like I'm going to focus on. Yeah, I mean, it's hard as fuck. You know how it goes. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. your first episode's easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? The first yeah. couple yeah. ones are, are easy because you're super excited about it and mm-hmm. everything, but your hundredth one is yep. gets tough. Mm-hmm. You know, same with your with your own brand. Your first, first T-shirt's super fun and easy, but your fucking thousandth one is tough. Yeah. You know? yeah. Mm-hmm. And you still get the same satisfaction, like throughout the entire thing, no matter how hard it actually is, it's still satisfying at the end of it. I'm sure for you, seeing yeah. a shirt to this day, yeah, mm-hmm. I love, I love seeing that stuff. And you know, with design and creativity, you run this whole gamut of emotions. Like yeah. it's, you're excited about working on it, 
and then you then you think you suck because no ideas are coming yeah. and then you have a breakthrough and you're like I'm a fucking genius <laughs> you know and then you realize like oh shit this is a lot of work now I got to do yeah. Yeah. You know? so it's like mm-hmm. a full roller coaster of emotions mm-hmm. you design for a lot of brands I mean I mean the logos mm-hmm. the the lines I mean you talked about it in in the uh which one was it it was either the Bobby one or the the Jeff one where you right. talked about doing whole lineups for department stores and things of that nature Who's your favorite one to design for? And like, what was kind of in line with what you were doing? Myself. Your st- <laughs> <laughs> Come <course>. on. <laughs> I mean, at the time before before you, yeah. you moved over to yours. <laughs> no, I. You know, each project is so fun, and they're all yeah. different. But honestly, my f- the stuff that I was really most proud of back then was the stuff I did with Huff. Yeah. Mm. You know, because. You know, I idolized him growing up skateboarding Mm -hmm. and then to watch him build his own business and then open my eyes to that part of the world and really turning me on to what streetwear really is. You know, like I was so proud of it. Yeah. You know, and and I I felt ownership of it, you know, because I loved it. I loved everything he was doing. I loved the vibe of the city and I loved the energy that he had around it. Like all of a sudden he showed up and everybody took notice of it, you know, (laughs) and I was proud to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. How does it feel like almost circling back and you know, seeing Huff reopen an SF and like, what's that? Oh, I think like, what does that mean to you? Oh, it's awesome. You know, I love all those guys and so thankful for the place they gave me in streetwear and, and helping me get my mark on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and having a little bit of part of their history. I mean, they've gone on to do great things without me, Crazy. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and bigger than I would ever even imagine it. Cause when I was helping out, it was a small store down the street, Yeah. you know, and now they're a worldwide brand and yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like we didn't even wholesale or nothing when I was helping them out. <laughs> so it was, you know. Crazy. Yeah. So. yeah, that is crazy to think about. Yeah. <laughs> Their impact was so heavy for San Francisco. They, they left such a huge imprint on San Francisco. You ask anybody from here, they have their first story or experience in, in walking into Huff. Um, like, do you feel like you, your, your store, it kind of embodied that as well. Like you think it, it's important that when when you put a store in San Francisco, that's the main focus is like make it memorable, make it a community based thing endeavor. Yeah, like if if you're not going to make an impact, then what's the point? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, right. if you're gonna if you're just taking up space, then get out of there. Like, mm-hmm. like you want to be impactful and make a difference and be a part of something. Like I open my stores to be a part of the community. Right. You know, not to make money, mm-hmm. not to sell you product. Really, it was more to be part of something that I cared about and and I think Huff Huff did the same thing you know Mm -hmm. I think uh, Ryan and I had a pretty memorable memorable experience uh, a couple years ago we (laughs) 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 Ryan's nervous he's like oh I mean like a couple years ago uh, Ryan and I were just walking down Valencia and we were like oh yeah let's stop in a Benny Gold let's stop in a Benny Gold and yeah Mm -hmm. see what's up and then um, I don't know this was a while ago and I don't even remember if you I don't know if you remember it but uh, we just talked for close to like an hour we were just literally sitting there and just <laughs> a little shooting the show yeah that was the whole setup we were like right, that's headquarters yeah. that's headquarters yeah. for a lot of people you yeah. want to skate yeah. session meet there and then let's go you want to go out all right well right. if you're still open let's meet there and then let's <laughs> yeah. go um that's awesome yeah, there's a there's a huge importance in those types of stores so let's let's talk about as a spectator now, you know, store's gone. Happy yeah. one year anniversary. Well, not a happy <laughs> No, no, that's happy. happy. It's I the think, year yeah. anniversary of the store closing. Yeah. And by the way, when Hypebeast announced it on their site about your store closing, mm-hmm. it's the first time that I've ever seen a comment section be so positive. <laughs> <for someone. Aww. laughs> 
It was so positive. It was the most positive comment section I've ever seen. <laughs> so shout out to you. Yeah, they get pretty brutal on there. Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. Sure. I was looking. I was, <laughs> I was trying to see so I can like, type in from my uh, my, my Your burner account. account. Yeah. Uh, the burner account. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, but we're, we're all spectators. We're consumers. We get to view this from the outside now. What do you think of the scene of San Francisco to this day? Uh, you know, the scene has changed. And mm-hmm. the scene has always been changing in San Francisco. It's not the first time, and it definitely won't be the last. Yeah. You know, and I'm happy to still be here and to witness it. Like, as much as people talk shit about San Francisco, you still walk out the door, and it's beautiful. Of course. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And the scene's, scene's always going to change, and it's going to go ups and downs, and it's going to have ebbs and flows. You know, and... You know, that's just a part of it. Yeah. Like when I was here, when I first started, you know, Stussy was here and Huff mm-hmm. and True and, you know, and Red Five. Yeah. You know, there was fucking good stores Hate here. was nice. Hate yeah. was It was nice. a destination. Yeah. yeah. It was a destination. Now it's it's like five minutes and then you're out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, when Red Five closed, I thought, you know, it was sad and the city was changing, you know. Yeah. And then, it, then we had Huff and all those other stores come through and then they closed and then it was like me and black scale and yep. those type of stores Dang. opened up you know yeah 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 there were there were so many i mean even nor recon was one yeah. of my my mm-hmm. first like actual sneaker purchases with my own money yeah. <laughs> where's the shoes at it's like downstairs like, where that's the worst super fresh it's amazing wow. yeah it was amazing but what do you think it takes to make it in san francisco as a as a store if you want to open up brick and mortar if you want to start a brand let's start with brick and mortar first because okay. a lot are opening supreme just yeah. opened yeah a rumored Stussy from Nate. <laughs> Neither confirm Nate's, nor deny that. Nate started the rumor. That's um, what it was. A con- <laughs> hypothetical Stussy is open. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> stores are rebranding themselves. Even on Hate, there's a lot of, uh, I don't even know what to call them anymore, lifestyle brand. Right. Stores are opening, uh, expanding. Mm-hmm. You know, What does it take as a brick and mortar to, 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 to keep yourself alive in San Francisco? You know, you got to love it. it yeah. it's, all, it's passion. You know, mm-hmm. like I had a 10-year run in retail yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I loved it you know there was moments where I wanted to close or should have closed probably but I kept it open because I really loved it you know mm-hmm. and then I kept it open longer than I should have kept it open because I loved it yeah oh, you know yeah <laughs> when you were going to um open your first store yeah what was the, what was the mentality you know what I mean like you just you just had you had to do it <laughs> did you have to check in with anybody you just like just like, hey, I'm gonna open up a store. Like, is this something that I should I should do? Yeah. Like, what do you think? Like, who did you consult when you were gonna do it? You know, you consult your friends. Yeah. You know, I consulted Huff, of course. I consulted um, Self Edge because they're in the mission. I consulted nice. Atlas. <laughs> I consulted oh, nice. Five One O and FTC and Deluxe. You know, because mm-hmm. they're just friends. You ask mm-hmm. your friends. It's like anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the reason I opened the store, I had really no plan to open a store, but I. You know, I told the story a hundred times, but I was selling product and making product out of my house, yep. out of my small apartment. And I got a huge order that overflowed my fucking apartment. Like, I'm talking T-shirts from every crevice. <laughs> <laughs> like, you open, you know, the kitchen drawer and T-shirts fall out. You know, you, you put the toilet seat down, there's T-shirts, you know, <laughs> and, and, and hats, you know. It was like boxes were in the bathroom, boxes were in the living room, boxes were in the dining room, mm-hmm. boxes were in my small office in the bedroom. And my wife came home from work, and she's like, you got to get this shit out of here, you know? <laughs> she was fed up. <laughs> yeah. So I, I called a couple friends, and Eugene from Team Terrible being one of them, and Eddie, who used to work at Huff, too, came through to my house, and we fucking packed for days, you know? Mm. Packed all the, order, all the orders, all the boxes, got as much out as we can, 
And then I was like, shit, I got to find a space. Like, I, this can't happen again, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that like a scary jump for you going from like working out of your home into trying to find like an actual brick and mortar spot and sort of realizing that, oh shit, this is real. Like, this is a thing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But San Francisco was a different time, different place back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, my first place was, <laughs> dude, it was, I think it was like $2,000. You know what I mean? My first store. Hey, wow. Shit. You know, that's maybe, crazy. Maybe 2,500 bucks. Mm-hmm. But, but it was super cheap. And mm-hmm. if you've ever been to my first store on 21st Street, yep. it was awesome. It was a two floor store. My office was upstairs. Downstairs was really cool. Little, little 200 square foot, you know. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. You know, and it was tiny and it was, it was awesome. And I wasn't scared because the overhead was so little. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just needed a place to work out of. And I think I w- everything was moving so fast for me at that time that I didn't have a chance to be scared or nervous. You know, but now to take that risk in San Francisco, your overhead's going to be fucking yeah, racks, nuts, you know? yeah. So, I mean, even with, even, I mean, rent is like the number one thing, I think, that deters people. Well, what do you think are some other hurdles that people ha- would have to jump over in order to, to make it in San Francisco? <laughs> yeah, rent's a big one. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's the biggest. Deterred thing, me yeah. from moving out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, I can't live here anymore. Um, you know, you have to be all in because employees are really expensive in the city, the yep. tax yeah. So the really only way to make money is you have to work the shop yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just not feasible if you're the designer behind it, too, because yeah. you need to design the shit. You think the consumer base is different out here also? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. we're in a spot now where n- nobody shops and everybody wants a discount. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And people feel like an asshole if they're buying full price. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's just you walk downtown Union Square and everything's like 70 percent off. Mm-hmm. Like every day of the year. Mm-hmm. Every day, yeah. It's mm-hmm. not just fire sales anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So people come in your stop and shop and they expect the same discount. And you're like, dude, I'm a small independent yeah. brand. Like, yeah. get the fuck out of do my store. <laughs> do people not respect that? No, like, they don't give a fuck. Yeah. I think there's just too many options out there, you know? Like, yeah. you know, even if you're not getting one specific brand, you can maybe find something similar, if not identical to it, yeah. you know? There's just too much shit out there. So was there a competition amongst, like, I mean, you had, what would you have around the corner? There was, I mean, now there's the dark side that mm-hmm. was across the street. You had um, Bait, which is, mm-hmm. like, relatively mm-hmm. close. Did you feel, feel like there was any competition amongst the stores in that area? Now, the beautiful thing about Streetwear is that it's a very b- small community, yeah. and we all, you know, support each other and care for each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like any other industry. Like, since I joined the advertising agency, like, you see the competition in these brands. Like, you can't work on this type of brand if you're working on that. And Streetwear has none of that. Yeah. Mm. You know, like, I could call Ben, Bobby, Jeff, Keith, all those dudes and ask questions right now because we're all friends and family. Mm-hmm. And they're more than willing to help me out. And it's and goes the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Streetwear is beautiful like that. And skateboarding is like that, too. It's a, I think there's a larger community outside that people don't truly understand and they just look at it as just a bunch of business owners that are trying yeah. to price out each other or no, no, compete no. with each other the, t- the tide rises yeah and i've seen it with huff too like when they would get like a quick strike or a tier zero shoe drop you know first thing they do is call the other stores they're getting they would call like 510 they'd call ftc like what are you going to price it at and they'd all like wow, you know work nice. work on the price together yeah. so it's all an even even playing field. Who who out here now is are are you interested in that are they're kind of doing? I mean, we have a lot of stores that have opened up. Shout out to Stashed uh, mm-hmm. in the Dog Patch. Um, wh- what are you what are you messing around with now in, in the city? Um, I really love Self Edge. Yeah, I, lo- yeah. I, I love Self Edge. Yeah, That's I love Standard and Strange mm-hmm. out in out in Oakland. I love Five One Zero. I love Atlas for Life. Yep. Like they're doing really great stuff. Supreme store is fucking beautiful, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice to see 
streetwear coming back a little bit in the city now? Yeah. Or it's been kind of stagnant. Yeah, where do you think we are? Yeah. Like, where do you think we are as San Francisco? Like, because we talk about like ebb and flow all mm-hmm. the time in terms of streetwear. Like, mm-hmm. do you think we're at a high point? Like, where where are we at right now? Like, what's the temperature? The temperature is still low. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we're we're coming back. I feel yeah. I feel like, and you're gonna see a lot of difference in in stores lately. You know, moving forward, it's gonna be more of an experience, and it's gonna be more mm-hmm. about less about selling product, more about telling you about the lifestyle behind them. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've ever had to compete with like other cities like LA or New York. I think we've always been different. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? In in regards to like that Bay Area style, because there's nothing like I I don't know anything that's that's relatively close to what we're doing in terms of the aesthetic of how people dress here. Like LA is similar to New York, like that high fashion mix. But for some reason, you know, the biggest brand in, in San Francisco that's, like, from San Francisco is, like, a GX1000. Like, right. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that, is the, that is the style of who we are. And it all kind of roots back to, like, an EMB. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, like, that alone, like, you, you look at San Francisco now, like, sh- skateboarding is huge again here. Mm-hmm. Huge. It is mm-hmm. huge. Like, how, how, what, what's your opinions on that? I think that's awesome because, yeah. you know, I've seen, the, like we mentioned earlier, like, I've seen all the, everybody move away from San Francisco mm-hmm. and move to L.A., same with same with clothing brands. Like yeah. there was a moment where they all left. You know, yeah. we had great brands here, and they all moved away. We had great skateboarding here, and they all moved away also. And it's nice to see that resurgence. And I think GX One Thousand is a big part of that. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, because they made skateboarding in San Francisco look really cool again. Like they like they gave it that edge. They gave they made it look dangerous. You know, yeah. which which is always sexy. Yeah. You know, where skateboarding will look very safe and clean and. You know, and it wasn't exciting to move to San Francisco anymore for that. Yeah. Because when I was a kid and watching Tommy Guerrero bomb hills, it looked, da- it looked, da- it looked dangerous. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, Bro. I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it was my favorite thing to do every morning yeah. on the way to work. And it, it all came from, like, I think it was, like, an old uh, Huff ad on YouTube. And they were skating the blocks down near um, uh, Pier 7. Mm-hmm. And it was to I uh, left my heart in San Francisco and Mayor Hawthorne, and I was oh, like, so good. "This is amazing! Like, I need to be there. I need to be around <laughs> it." Because yeah. um, I'm a, I'm an East Bay kid, okay. so I mean, it felt like I was just as far as like living on another, yeah. you know, on the other side of the country. But right. um, and on on the GX1000, no man, RIP Pablo, man, yeah, RIP Pablo. Okay, so let's talk about as a spectator now, man. I don't even. I don't even know where to go with it, man. Like, it, it, <laughs> it, it's so crazy because what inspires you nowadays? You, you're at the agency. You're mm-hmm. doing some amazing work. We saw the Super Bowl stuff. That's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you. But what what gets you going? What inspires you? You know, creativity itself always has inspired me. Like, I've never had a problem with inspiration. Mm. Like, I think just everyday life and the, the act of being creative has always been inspiring me. Like, I love the process about it. I love sitting down with a problem and figuring out how to figure it out creatively. You know, and going through the motions, you know, sketching, drawing, researching, designing, thinking you suck, th- thinking <laughs> thinking you rule, you know what I mean? It's like, That's both of you know, I love the whole process of it. So I, th- I think when you don't love the process is when you don't feel inspired anymore mm-hmm. That's because so then you're just fighting against it. Yeah. Right. But if you, ex- if you accept the process and enjoy it, there's always something to be inspired by. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And then at that point, like when you talk about not loving it is do you think at that point it's time to call it quits and maybe shift directions or do you think maybe you just got to sort of push through that like what's your what's your take on what's your experience for the creative process or for for having a brand for a creative process oh creative process is (laughs) 
put the pencil down and grab your skateboard or <laughs> yeah. something yeah. and come back to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but having a brand and it's not fun anymore and that is a whole different story. Yeah. Because yeah. when you have a brand and you're not enjoying it anymore, it's time to change. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's so much more at stake, I feel like, you know, like you have employees that are under you yeah. and yeah. like all these other things that you have to sort of be mindful of and I think, you know, if, it's something that you don't really want to do anymore than, you know, it's yeah. time to be just honest and straight up about it, you know? Yeah, it's true, and everything's supposed to be fun. Right. You know? no. It's, it's yeah. all fun. Skateboarding is fun, too. Like, if you don't enjoy skateboarding anymore, don't skate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Same thing. And and for me, the part of having a brand, it wasn't about the brand ever. It wasn't about my name on T-shirts. It wasn't about having a store. It wasn't about worldwide distribution or any of that stuff. It was about creativity for me. You know, and it was just a medium for me to get my message out. That's crazy because that's not the mindset of a lot of people now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so what what do you think the perceived value of street worries for people that are starting brands like? To be famous. Yeah. (laughs) Straight up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like to get Instagram followers and Mm -hmm. be famous and part of high fashion or whatever you want to call it. You know, but for me, I was just doing it because it was a way for me to get my message out, you know? Because before, I was painting a lot before that too, before I even started making clothes. Mm. You know, and I was doing art shows and painting and and it was just such a grind and little return. Mm-hmm. And then I had a friend said, just do that same thing you're doing and put it on a t-shirt and see what happens. So I bought a like a in-home screen print kit, screen printed a t-shirt, gave them away to friends and it fucking popped off, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. you get more reward f- and the medium is easier to digest than mm-hmm. a painting. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. a t-shirt is basically just a different type of canvas. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a review or a comment I read out in an article one time that basically said, you know, if your brand focuses solely on the graphic t-shirt, mm. you're bound to sell out. Oh, yeah. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not easy to make a hit t-shirt. It's, as, it's, it's just as hard. It's probably easier to make a hit record, you know, because yeah. <laughs> everyone thinks they're going to put on a t-shirt. That you know, make a graphic tee and it's going to go fucking viral. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's really tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, who are your your uh, some of your favorite like graphic designer like owner brands? Mm. You know, like m- my favorite currently, and uh, me and Nate talk about them all the time is Verdi. Oh god, here Prime. we go. Yeah. <laughs> we love them. That, it's refreshing. It's awesome. It's opinion. awesome. Um, Mike Sherman, Chinatown Market. Who, who are you into? Who are you following? You took the words out of my mouth, man. I love Chinatown Market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He is the nicest dude, the best concept clothing-wise in a long time. And it's really refreshing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because when I first started, there wasn't many designer owner brands, you know? It's true, yeah. But, and I think that's what set my, my stuff apart because I'm a you know traditionally tra- trained designer, worked professionally before starting my own brand. Mm-hmm. So my stuff looked a lot more polished and clean. And now that there's money in streetwear, everyone's stuff looks more polished and clean because they could afford to hire good designers, mm-hmm. you know? Where before, it was people trying to figure it out that weren't professional. Yeah. You know, it was like, I want to start a brand, I'll just make a t-shirt, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> and that's awesome. That's, a, that's very beautiful, you know? Yeah. But my thing looked much more different. It stood out on the shelves because it was professionally done. Mm-hmm. And you, were, you and, and Keith were actually, I mean, when I really think about it, other than Stussy, were the face of the brand, like the name of the brand. Did you ever think twice about that? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> well, the way it happened was, it, w- it wasn't my choice. 
I, yeah, you know, it was just handed. I'd be it was like, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, what happened was I was already I was always making stuff. I mean, I've been making stuff since high school. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I've been making stickers, I've been painting painting making paintings, drawing on my skateboard, making stickers, making t-shirts, you know, whatever I could get my hands on. And when it came time for me to make a brand, I was talking to Keith about it from Huff, and I was like, "What should I call this thing?" He's like, "Dude, you have to call your name." And I was like, "No, fuck that." <laughs> And he's like, he's like, why? Do you want to start over? Don't be a dumbass. And I was like, you're right. He's like, you already invested so much time building the name up with all the all the logos and everything else I've done because everybody knows that, you know, when I design something, their their marketing is Benny Gold made it for them. Mm-hmm. You know, so by the time it came to, for me to start my own brand, the name was already established. And Keith was like, if you change the name, it's gonna be so hard for people to connect the dots. It's a stupid mm-hmm. move. And I was like. This dude's right. (laughs) (laughs) If it wasn't your name, what would you have named? Oh, I don't know. I never got that. You never got that. You never thought about. No, I never got that. Because I'm different, dude. I didn't. I didn't start out to have a brand. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not like those people that like I want to have a brand. It's their big dream, you know. Mm. I just wanted to make stuff. Yeah. You know, and a brand was the best way to put it out there. Yeah. You just wanted to be creative. Yeah, I want to be creative. Like I didn't care what it was, Mm -hmm. you know. Stickers, yeah. T-shirt, wee pastes, yeah. paintings. I just wanted to be creative. Yeah, I mean, for a lot of young listeners that I mean that follow the the show, I mean that's the brand is that's that's their, their dream. Yeah, that's their dream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the dream. It's mm-hmm. most people's dream. Mm-hmm. I mean, my DMs are flooded with people that want to start their own brands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when I did office hours in my shop, it's the main question: like, how do you start? How do you start a brand? Mm. Now, which is great. You know, it's fine because people see brands and they see. Th- Whatever's attached to it, they think they're gonna make money. They think they're gonna be famous. They think they're gonna fly yeah. around the Shout world. Nick Diamonds, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Nick's great. I love yeah. you know Nick is amazing, and he's I'm very proud Still of what he's done. Still designing all yeah. his collections himself. He, yeah, he <laughs> designs amazing. it. It's great. You know, Nick is amazing, but there's only one Nick. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You know, and you know, you just, you just can't really start with an end goal in sight. You have to start with because you love it and you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Do you think like the best brands sort of serendipitously like fall into what they're doing 100 percent. yeah you know when things feel forced and manufactured right you could see right through it yeah right. you could totally tell 100%. yeah mm-hmm. that's bullshit you know mm-hmm. yeah you could tell when there's a fake streetwear brand out there you mm-hmm. could tell when when a big luxury brand puts out a streetwear streetwear style product mm-hmm. you know it's just you could tell when advertising puts graffiti in the background you know mm-hmm. like why they want to do that yeah. mm-hmm. like it's super forced let's talk about that then i mean that's something we talk about a lot on the podcast is the converging of the streetwear and the high fashion. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you, how do you feel about that? Is that, a, is that a, a world that you've ever been like extremely interested in? Or you're just kind of, it's always been like a big like middle finger to, to them sort of gentrifying what streetwear is <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not for me, you know, and it's, everyone has their own. I have no problem with it being there, you know, but f- for me, streetwear is the exact opposite mm-hmm. and antithesis to that. You know, it's for me, Strever was, you know, a small group of people doing stuff because they love it and more of like a beacon to find other people like them. Mm-hmm. You know, now, now streetwear is the exact opposite. People become into streetwear and make stuff to be the same, to be more mm-hmm. like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like High Fashion is doing it, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Macy's is doing it, I'm going to do it. You know, it's mm-hmm. like becomes mainstream and you know if you do put out streetwear now, it's accepted. Yep. Like, like people love streetwear now. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
Louis Vuitton hired a streetwear designer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, streetwear. Yeah. So like, yeah. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's accepted now. Yeah. And it's not like, before it was like the bat, si- bat signal out there. You put it, you wore a, a streetwear t-shirt to find other people like you. Yeah. It's like that obscure band t-shirt that you wore as a kid. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Keeping it uh, true to San Francisco. Uh, well, you know, and, and that's fine. The street, that high fashion is... Of of course, high fashion is going to take it because streetwear is cool. Like yeah. the stuff we have d- been done and accomplished on our own with no budgets and all ourselves with scrappy little kids yep. is fucking amazing. Yep. Mm-hmm. And like the energy behind streetwear, it just is infectious. And it's it's just a matter of time before big brands and, yeah. and high fashion took notice. Yeah. It's getting like the recognition huh. that it's supposed to get for years now, but I don't know how they're. It's on a larger yeah. scale, but it yeah. just it's it's so polished to, yeah. <laughs> to the sense mm-hmm. of like like you almost kind of cringe when you want to go buy that brand that you used to yeah. really fuck with when we, you when you first discovered them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like people like to use the term selling out or whatever, mm-hmm. which fuck that. It's it's <laughs> it's literally just brands progress like their mm-hmm. natural progression into brands. Like when you, I mean, if you were still open to this day, I mean, knowing you now and how you feel towards high fashion you ever you you think you'd ever feel pressured to like do a particular cut and sew piece or something along those lines oh yeah 100 percent. i mean i was getting pressure all the time for my brand on you know with directions and follow trends and all that and Mm -hmm. it's just that's not me and that was one of the main reasons why i wanted you know shift gears Mm -hmm. stay gold did uh did uh any bigger brands ever reach out to you and you know propose like a collaboration or Oh, yeah, you name it. Yeah. You know, like... In the high fashion space? Just in everything. You know, I've been very fortunate to be to pick and choose my my collabs pretty, mm-hmm. you know, over Very the years. own brand, I yeah. yeah, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that was very thought out, you know, just because I wanted to do stuff that I really cared about. Of course. Mm-hmm. And not right. just because it was a, a money grab. Yeah. Like you said, you didn't want to just make bullshit. I don't want to make bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my only problem with high fashion everybody in in there that it doesn't trickle down yeah so we have new brands and you know and big brands co-opting a, well, i don't know if that's the right word but you know like taking taking from our culture yeah. mm-hmm. and you using it to make them look more relevant and cool mm-hmm. but the money doesn't come down to us who's been in it forever mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so the small brands like mine and other ones will struggle why other people are taking the stuff that we built mm-hmm. and making fucking money on it. No, right. that's, that's, that's the worst point. part of it. Yeah. So what about what about the brands that when they first start out, and this is one of my biggest pet peeves, and we talked about it on like the most recent episode, starting out a brand and pricing out their consumer instantly. Mm. You know those brands. You don't got to say them. Yeah. <laughs> but is that like, is, where's the, do you understand the logic in that? Can you explain that to me? Yeah, 100%. So I was, my brand has always been, affordable like middle ground brand yeah mm-hmm. but the middle ground is decimated right now there's no such thing yeah because it's either high fashion people are paying for stuff that because they perceive its quality or it's disposable fashion like uniglo yeah so what people come in my store and see a beautiful pair of selvage denim that i slaved over you know custom fit custom fabric sourced from north carolina the whole nine made in la mm-hmm. custom buttons and rivets like beautiful and they're like why would i spend hundred something dollars for a pair of selvage from you when I could go to Uniqlo and get them for 20 bucks. Yeah. You know, to them it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's why there's no middle ground anymore. So people are either going to spend 300 plus dollars for a really nice pair of Japanese denim 
or twenty dollars for a pet for a pair of salvage denim from Uniqlo. On sale mm-hmm. too. Yeah, on sale. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. You know all about that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? That's what it is. There's no middle ground. So I don't know if you're really pricing your consumer out. I think you're just I mean those pair of pants that I made for a hundred something bucks probably should have been three hundred dollars, you know? Mm-hmm. For the amount of time and effort it t- mm-hmm. took me to make it and the limited run of it. But mm-hmm. I wanted to make it affordable and accessible to people. Yeah. And I probably shot myself in the foot mm. because I didn't know that the middle you know, the middle market was gonna be dead. Just mm-hmm. like the middle class is dying. Mm-hmm. Got any pairs of those laying around still? <laughs> <laughs> I actually do. I found a bunch when I was cleaning out my warehouse the other day. We have a begging right. section we'll at the end of the episode. Hey, just hang on, Nate. Just hang on. <laughs> but yeah, I want to conclude this, man. What's next? I mean, you got the you, you got the gig that you're currently at, yeah. um, just up the street. W- what's next for you, man? Um, well, now it's a year since I closed my brand, and I'm getting more comfortable in my new role as a in advertising. I want to bring the brand back. And mm. I don't know what that is or how it is, you know, what that looks like. And it won't be the same as it was. Mm-hmm. It won't be seasonal. It won't be as big as it was. But I want to do something again because, you know, I enjoy making stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy making stuff for, my, for myself. Yeah. You know, like it's fun making things for clients and like the Super Bowl and Doritos and BMW, BMW, whatever else I'm working on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it's it's fun to make it. Because w- the beautiful thing about streetwear is that there's no rules. Yeah. There's never been rules, you know? And that's the problem is when they start enforcing rules. Like, you have to be high end. You have to have Snoopy collaborations. Mm-hmm. Or you have to have, you know what I mean? Like, like, so like, good. <laughs> like, you have to have a collab that people know about or you have to be high end or whatever, you know, and that's when I don't like it because there should be no rules. Bring back the middle class. Yeah. <laughs> Bring that's back what, the middle class, Benny. Yeah. Market, you know what I mean? The Chinatown market really does it without rules. Yeah. And like, we're going to just, you know, round two vintage is doing cool stuff too yeah. with all their collabs mm-hmm. and, that, and it just shows you that there's other ways to do things and mm-hmm. not the way that everyone else is doing it. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Well said. Well said. To end this episode, and I, I know this is a part that you say, quote unquote, people hate, but you need to leave us with a tub tune for the end of this episode. <laughs> you got to give us a song, whatever you want, man. Anything on the top of mind. <laughs> oh, man. Hani El Khatib's new song is fucking good. I was just listening to it, you know? All right. You got to play right. it right now. Right, right, right now. now. Right yeah. now. It's called Stressy, right? Or We'll, we'll look it up. Yeah. <laughs> it was really, really good. And he, and he shouts out the Bay Area in it. Oh, oh. Yeah. Shout out to the Bay Shop, mm-hmm. San Francisco. Shout mm-hmm. out to Benny Gold. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. Again, Benny, thank you for coming. Thank you, Benny. Yeah, thanks, thank for you. Coming thanks for having me. And I appreciate all the support over the years. Oh. All right, guys. Stay gold. Thank Peace. You. Bye, guys.